This is That Means Nothing to Me, a podcast about incredibly specific accomplishments. I'm your host, Trey Taylor. Welcome to the episode. For over 30 years, Cirque du Soleil has toured the world with their amazing acrobatic, musical, and theatrical productions. Thousands audition every year, and sometimes less than 100 even get through to the in-person auditions, so it's very competitive. Artists train their whole lives for an opportunity to be a part of the shows, and only the best of the best are invited to join. I was lucky enough to get to sit down and interview Alex Wu, one of the original cast members of Cirque du Soleil's newest show, Axel. Alex has been performing in kung fu competitions all over the world for over 18 years. But it wouldn't be that means nothing to me if that was all we talked about. There is a bit of a twist later on, so stick around. How did you get into kung fu originally? Let's see, I started kung fu when I was eight years old. I was in grammar school, you know, getting to all kinds of trouble and stuff and just uh, having fun with all my friends and I would also get picked on at, at school so um, I, I went to my dad and said hey dad I want to learn how to fight so I can you know defend myself and protect myself from these bullies and he's like all right you know I, I have this friend you know he has a kung fu school I can take you to him so you can teach how to fight so so I go to school thinking all right I'm gonna learn how to you know, kick butt you know I'm gonna defend myself and the school I went to is called the Calvin Chin's Martial Arts Academy in Newton, Mass. So I, I go there and I, I learn a little bit of sparring, a little bit of self-defense movements, but what I noticed is they focused heavily on the traditional style of Kung Fu, like a specifically Tiger Crane style Kung Fu, a lot of uh, forms just like the choreographed routines. So I did a ton of that and I, I noticed that it wasn't so much sparring and fighting that they were focusing on but at the same time i did have a fun time you know learning the forms and um, going to tournaments and competing with these forms and you know winning awards and stuff so even though i didn't learn too much fighting you know i still had a good time with doing that stuff i ended up becoming heavily involved in you know the performing part competing um, after a few years of just training at the academy, I immediately started to travel around the country and went to a lot of different tournaments and, and just did a lot of that and won awards. So uh, it was something that you know, I became heavily involved with and something that I really got into. Before Kung Fu, I didn't do anything else. So once I started with that, my heart and soul was all set on that. And how did you originally get connected to Cirque? Did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them? Well, I was always a big fan of Cirque du Soleil since I was like really little. Um, the first show that I saw was Lanuba, and it was actually at Downtown Disney in Orlando. And I saw that, became a huge fan of them. And then when I saw Ka, which is their resident show in Vegas. So Ka has a ton of martial arts in their show. And when I saw, you know, that that marriage of martial arts and acrobatics in a Cirque du Soleil production that really inspired me to, you know, train really hard and to become part of them. So I 
spend you know maybe three about like three to four years uh, starting in like 2014 to really like actively get myself prepared to you know apply for them and go to auditions so I first auditioned for them in 2015. I first, you know, applied online and stuff and just, just sent them like all of my stuff, like my resume and demo videos and pictures and anything that I could show them just to show who I am. Then, you know, they invited me to an audition in Vegas in 2015. And actually that time I didn't get in. And I mean, it's kind of understandable because it's the first time I've auditioned for anything. So I didn't really know like how to prepare for this, honestly. I mean, they they said, you know, come into the audition prepared like with uh, at least like a one minute piece. So I tried to choreograph, you know, a routine where I could show like my best movements. And I didn't really know how to you know, go about doing that. It was nice that the people from casting, they at least told me what it is that I should do to improve for next time. So, you know, what I did was I just took their advice and for the next three years, um, I just trained, went back to the drawing board, uh, did as much as I can with training and stuff. And then fast forward to 2018, I auditioned again in LA. And then that time I was able to get into the database. And then, you know, a few months after that, you know, got the contract for Axel. It was pretty cool. So you were in Cirque du Soleil Axel, which is a show that's entirely on ice. What was it like to do Kung Fu in a show that takes place on a skating rink? Yeah, so it was it was their second show on ice that they created. Because their first show was Crystal. Creating on ice shows was still like very new for them. So adding a ton of like acrobatics and ice skating in one production, it was something that like they're not really used to doing so they weren't really sure how it was going to turn out but actually you know when we started going on tour we actually ended up getting some pretty good reviews so it was it ends up being a nice turnout actually were yeah. you like a professional ice skater before you did the show or did the ice skating no. come with oh, the show so actually i don't I don't do any skating at all. And actually, to be oh. honest, the last time I done any skating was back in high school. So, and that was for like gym class. The, the gym teacher's like, hey, let's go to uh, the ice rink next door, you know, next to the high school and let's just do some skating. And this is during winter time. And I was like, oh, I don't really know how to skate. So the whole time I was literally just like holding on to the wall, trying mm -hmm. not to fall. But, you know, luckily, you know, with the show, I, I didn't have to skate because since it's a martial arts number that I had, I was able to do the whole number on like a dry platform. How much like creative freedom did you have helping them like work on it and come up with it? Or was it something that they came to you beginning, middle and end and said, this is what you're doing? It was, it was kind of a mix of both. So they gave me the contract and I arrived at headquarters and basically I showed them, you know, my best movements. And then they, they kind of just took everything that I showed them and then they shaped the number from there. I would say they did, they still did most of the shaping of my number because I mean, I'm so used to, you know, competing and performing on a big floor where I have all the space to do all these movements. So going from a really big space to in condensing it to this one small circle in the middle of the ice, it was a big difference. So it took some getting used to. 
the movements and the choreography of the routine itself. Like I was able to have some of the choreography, but as far as like the structure of it goes, uh, they actually had a woman that's done choreography for other Cirque du Soleil shows and she has helped me choreograph the number. In that three month period where you were kind of creating, how often were you working on the actual thing itself? Was it like a nine to five job that you met them somewhere and worked on it? So during the day, for the most part, they would have training sessions and staging sessions for the show starting around eight or nine a.m. And depending on how much it needed to get done, it would go either till 5 p.m. or there are some days where we would work till 10 p.m. because we had a lot of staging to do and we had to make a lot of corrections for the show. Um, so, I mean, generally speaking, it, it wasn't like a set schedule for all the artists where it was like a nine to five type of thing. You figure you add in the times where we had to learn how to do our makeup and the times where we had to put together our numbers and also at the same time, having to put together all the numbers together in like in the show itself. So it really depends on what needed to be done when. In the beginning, it wasn't as, you know, as busy, but when it got closer to like our soft opening premiere, every day it would be like 10 a.m. start and we'd be working until 10 p.m. Um, so it changed uh, basically every day. And how did you hold up physically during this process? It, it got tiring, especially um, towards the end of creation. But still, you know, in general, it was it was a really fun experience because, I mean, there's a lot of people that are able to become artists in a Cirque du Soleil show, and there's like only maybe a handful of people that were able to be part of the original cast of a brand new show. So for me to be able to experience both is like, it's it's just one of those types of experiences that you can't really describe, but it's just like, is one of the best things that I've ever done. <laughs> Up until now, the only questions that I had asked Alex were about Cirque du Soleil. This felt like a completely normal and straightforward interview. But that's not what this show is about. The show's called That Means Nothing to Me, so I wanted something that meant genuinely nothing to me. And that is when I learned about Alex's hobby. When I was in preschool, when I saw my first clown doing balloon animals, like I immediately fell in love with it. And I think it's because like the, the colors and the shapes and just that how cool it is to just to take a balloon and just make it into a sculpture, I, I thought was very fascinating. So it's just one of those things that, that interests you like, for a really long time. And it's not just, you know, like a childhood thing. It, it kind of just like stuck with me. Do you remember the first balloon you made? Well, I think the first balloon I made it was a, a basic dog. Because um, with with all arts of balloon twisting, I think that one of the very first things that a person learns how to make is a dog, because it's fairly simple. It only takes a few steps. So I think that a dog was the first thing that I learned. So we're at the point where 
this means nothing to me. <laughs> so where do you perform balloons? Like, is it is it an insult to ask if you walk around a restaurant and collect tips? Oh yeah, no, it's not an insult. Um, so so when I was a kid, I I got really into the whole balloon art thing. So it's one of those things where I I didn't do anything you know professionally, but what I did like to do was uh, bring a huge bag of balloons in for my class and just make balloon animals for them. And I remember there was one day in kindergarten where the teacher actually let me spend a whole day just making balloon hats for the kids. So that was really fun to do. And then every time, you know, when I had a birthday party, I always made sure I, I hired my, my friend uh, who's a magician and balloon artist, uh, Fran Flynn. He was my entertainer for my sixth birthday. Um, so he got me into the whole like balloon animal stuff too. Even taught me a couple things and referred me to a few uh, balloon books. So what I did was learn different balloon animals through books and videos. Started with you know like the basic animals like the dog and the cat and giraffe and bear. Then you know after that I soon I was a fast learner with all these things. So eventually I got into you know more advanced things like learning how to make balloon hats too. You know, when I started getting more heavily involved with Kung Fu, the balloon animals kind of took a back burner and I only did those once in a while. So what I did was I, I ordered, you know, like five, six bags of balloons and then tried to relearn some things that I might have forgotten. And then actually, you know, I quickly got used to the whole like balloon making stuff. It didn't really take me much time to get used to it again. Um, so after that, I started to learn how to do like more like really advanced sculptures and it's all just through like YouTube tutorials and we're talking like maybe two or three balloon sculptures then eventually I actually got into making really advanced uh, sculptures like Marvel superheroes and, um, wow. and Disney characters um, so that was really fun the challenge obviously was that you know, learning how to make them for the first time but you know after I got used to making them you know a few times it's like okay you know I could get used to doing this and now it's just a matter of being able to make the sculptures by myself without having to look at the tutorial so now that I'm able to you know add those characters to my skill set um, I can actually make these and possibly put together like an arrangement you know for deliveries and stuff and then so I got all these you know different ideas that I could do like for a business with these balloons. Can you talk a little bit about what the hardest thing was for you personally to learn how to make? Oh oh yeah um well the hardest thing be um the superheroes and the Disney characters because the thing is I mean, there's ways where you can make those sculptures in a more simple way. But the thing is, like, if you do it the easy way, then it doesn't look as accurate. So I'd rather go the harder way where there's more steps to it. But in the end, the sculpture looks more realistic, considering that you're using balloons. You know what I mean? So I think the hardest thing is, like, as far as the process goes, is making sure that each bubble is the right shape because um, there's many times where I would go in to do like a lock twist I'm I'm going to be using like balloon terminologies here like you, you do like a lock twist and making you know like a two or three inch of bubbles and making sure that 
each bubble is like the right size. The thing is with making really advanced sculptures like Marvel characters and Disney characters is that you gotta make sure you do every single step because if you skip like the smallest step, then you basically are gonna mess up the whole thing. <laughs> and you know, during the practices, I've done that a few times. So it's definitely frustrating having to start all over again. The thing is that, I mean, already it, it takes a really long time to make characters from Disney and from Marvel. So if I were to actually do those characters at like a special event, it would take a long time, but it's one of those things where I would have to really get used to doing them. No problem, you know, no YouTube tutorial. So that way it looks like, you know, I'm not looking like an idiot. I just want to try and make it look like as professional as I can. And because that's the thing, like, you know, with the, with balloon twisting, even though you're j just making balloon animals, it's still a form of entertainment because so, like you're you're basically showing art in front of people. And not only is it a product for them at the end, but also it's a product for them, you know, while you're making it. So it's like, it's how you present yourself when you're making the balloons. So it's like, if you're making the balloon and it looks like you're hesitant or like you're, you're struggling with something, then they're gonna think, oh, does this guy really know what he's doing? So learning the steps, making sure each section of the balloon is right and just being able to confidently do each step in making the sculptures is, is probably the hardest thing. What's the, on these characters that you're making, what's the scale? Like, like how big do they end up being when you're done with them? They, they end up being like a, a good size, actually. I would say, I mean, I don't have a ruler with me, but I mean, if you have like a, a one balloon sculpture, it's, it, kind of like an action figure size uh, type of sculpture. When I make the Marvel characters, they usually come out to be like about 10 to 12 inches tall. So, I mean, it's, it's a good size because I'm using, oh, I wanna say like six to seven balloons to make them. And then when it comes to the Disney characters, it's even bigger because especially, you know, the bigger sculptures like Mickey, Minnie and Donald and Goofy, they, they require at least eight to 10 balloons. So it's, it's a lot required, but you know, in the end, the product itself, like the sculpture is, it's a decent size. Do all the designs you do originate from other people or are you now at the point where you're coming up with your own creations? Um, well, at first, when I when I was just starting out, I was using mostly tutorials. Like, <laughs> this is how long ago it was VHS tapes. I, I was using wow. those, um, watching those, uh, reading balloon books, um, just so learning like that. But then just recently, I went to YouTube and because there's a ton of uh, really good balloon artists out there that upload uh, balloon tutorials. So I've learned from them. And then from there, I just practice those sculptures on my own after watching them a few times some of the things that i was able to create myself were based on tutorials that i watched so i mean i'll give you like an example there's this one guy michael floyd he's a balloon artist that has a youtube channel he teaches you how to make like a basic princess model so just taking that model i'm able to you know switch up the colors and basically do Disney princesses, you know, so I was able to uh, take some of his ideas and just create those. What advice would you have for somebody 
maybe during the quarantine who's sitting at home and wants to teach themselves how to twist balloon animals? Hmm. Well, I think this can apply with everything that everyone does. So when they're starting out with the, with something, is is patience. Um, when you're learning something totally new, and especially if it's something that you know you're going to be very passionate about, is to, to have patience for yourself. You know, learning something it obviously takes time. Every good thing that happens to someone, it it takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. So you got to have patience for yourself. You got to know that it takes time to learn these things and get used to it. Doing it on your own, mastering the skills, being able to confidently do it. Because um, there, I mean, there were a few times where I I saw a sculpture and it's like, oh my god, like I want to learn how to do that, like right away. I would try to make sculpture, you know, three, four, or five times, and I still wouldn't get it. I get really frustrated with myself. But stay committed to, you know, don't just give up. You know, keep up with this, keep practicing, and then you'll be able to get it. So I'm definitely proud of my kung fu career. You know, practicing martial arts for 18 plus years, but I'm also very proud of my skills in balloon twisting.、Um, it's a skill that I believe is pretty unique because not a lot of people that I know knows how to do balloon twisting, like balloon art, like balloon animals and balloon sculptures. So it's a pretty. I think it's. Unique and it's special for me, especially because I've known how to do balloon twisting since I was six years old. Have you ever considered combining kung fu and twisting a balloon while flipping around and doing kicks and crazy stuff? <laughs> that I mean, that would definitely be a unique. Thing to do.、Um, What an act! <laughs> I'm not really sure. It's funny because I mean, you you talk about yin and yang, like it's the like kung fu where it's very like you know hard, aggressive, you know some soft movements, but for the most part, it's like kung fu is very like intense, you know, with everything that you do. And then when you take balloon sculptures, it's just a、oh, okay, it's just some twisting, you know, just movement with your hands, you know. So, I'm I mean. I've never thought of like combining something like, you know, doing something like that. You know, combining those two. But you know, it's definitely while we're on the subject, I could probably make a balloon sword, and then oh yeah, the, I'll make I'll do something like that, like a, a kung fu act with a balloon sword, <laughs> trying to be serious, but you know, I'll still get laughed at. It's now you mentioned it. You know, it's something that I could probably explore and like, you know, making. And taking a few movements, you know, from martial arts and make it into like a comedy act or something. I don't know, but you know what? It's a, it's a good thing that I'm talking to you here. You know, expand my horizons. <laughs> You're welcome. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> you know, the ideas at this point are are limitless here. <laughs> I could probably make staffs,、uh, swords, double swords,、um, spears,、uh, chain whips. Honestly, that was the most I've, I've talked about balloons ever, because because no one's ever really asked me about you know my balloon hobby. 
uh, they're they're just like, oh, like make me something. <laughs> you know? um, so it's it's really nice that I could finally you know sit down and talk to someone about you know the the hobby and you know talking about my journey with it. So it's nice. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's the show. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Of course, of course. Cirque du Soleil Axel is currently closed due to the pandemic, but if listening to this episode made you want to go see the show yourself, I would check out CirqueDuSoleil.com for information about ticketing and when they're planning on reopening. You can also follow Alex on Instagram at AlexWooWoo, Kung Fu, all one word. That Means Nothing to Me. It's a podcast hosted by me, Trey Taylor. Audio editing is done in Audacity Suite 2.3.0, and we're recorded on a Yeti Blackout omnidirectional mic. All of our music credits for this episode can be found in the show notes, wherever it is you are listening to this. Special thanks go to Alex Wu and everyone else who I have tirelessly annoyed with questions and questions and follow-up questions. I mentioned it in the previous episode, but our Patreon is now up and running. So if you want to support the show, even with a dollar a month, you can head over there and do just that. There's a couple cool rewards I came up with, built in with the different amounts, so read through each one and see if there's something in it sounds like something you'd be interested in. We're also still working on the formatting, length, and overall vibe of the show, so if you have any questions, comments, or you just want to let me know what you thought, please feel free to shoot me a message at contact at thatmeansnothing.com. You can also be found on all social media at thatmeanszero, the number zero. Thanks for listening.